My mother and I were midway through an episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark when my father came staggering through the back door. I remember smelling him before actually seeing his body dark in the living room entryway. The only light in the room was coming from the glow of the television. It grimly lit up my father's tall frame as he slumped up against the wall. I need a ride downtown, my father announced. Didn't you just come from there, my mother inquired. Before my father could answer, my mother cut him off. Craig, where is your car? Did, how did you get home, she panicked. Relax. A guy at the bar told me I was too drunk to drive, and he asked me for my car keys, so I gave them to him. He called me a cab, he stammered. Do you know this man? Was he a friend of yours? My mother quizzed in anger. No, hell no, I don't know him, but he seemed like a nice guy, my father proudly admitted. I sat in the back seat as my mother drove my father and me a few blocks past these dingy bars downtown just after midnight. We finally arrived in a part of town that looked like it had been forgotten. The grass was overgrown, porch steps were missing, dogs were chained up outside. Big dogs. There's my car, my father announced as if he had parked it there himself. My mother parked behind it on the crowded street. I could see there were scattered lights on throughout the house as we pulled up because there was no glass in the windows. Some of them just had boards with nails and openings, some with large trash bags instead of curtains. I watched my father walk into the seemingly abandoned house after midnight on a Wednesday evening as he was just casually running into a bank as a part of an afternoon errand. My mother and I both sat in tense silence for what felt like a lifetime. Finally, my father appeared in the dimly lit doorway. He crouched by my mother's driver's side window on his way back to his car. See you back at the house, my father blurted out before almost skipping to his vehicle. My father wasn't scared of this neighborhood. It's because he'd been there before. This must be where he goes after the bars in town close. Welcome to Secondhand Therapy. We're not therapists. We're not experts. Enjoy the show. that whole story to my therapist yeah. when she was asking about like so tell me about your father I was like great <laughs> this is everything you need to know about my father because this is pretty much everything that I know about my father mm -hmm. and what I discovered was like I'm able to talk about my father at a distance because that's how I've always known him. What do you mean talk about him at a distance? What does that mean? As if he's not my father. As if he's not that involved or wasn't that involved in my life. Or It's almost like an asterisk. Mm. He's like a character. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, he doesn't feel real in my story. Hmm. My therapist brought up because we were talking about like 
you know, we talk about your mother a lot and all these different things, but your father never comes up. And I was like, yeah, I really didn't, didn't really know the guy. Yeah. And she was like, well, <laughs> let's unpack that. And I was like, we don't have to. We don't really have to. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because like, as I get older, I'm trying to reframe all of these thoughts about my father that I have. Mm-hmm. Because I think oftentimes we get caught up in this idea of thinking of people or judging them by these snapshots we have of them throughout our lives. Because that's all I really had. I didn't really like know him. Right. But I do have these glimpses every once in a while of him or stories of him or what people would tell me about him. And so I've collected all these kind of Polaroids. <laughs> I'm like, oh, now I'm trying to see the full picture of who my father was. And I'm just putting together all these little Polaroids. And I'm like, are any of them memories or are they all things you've heard secondhand? Very few are memories. Mm. So even then you, you probably aren't even able to accurately discern what's real and what mm. are stories people have told you to make you think more highly of your father's character or vice versa. Yeah. My mother did a really good job of keeping things from me about him mm-hmm. when they, I don't think they ever like split up, split up. Yeah. Um, he was going back and forth between his ex-wife and the old family and my mother and me and this new life that he had. Right. Um, so yeah, so she kept it like, she kept it real, real sweet with him. Like that, she wanted me to think of my father as my father. She didn't want to damage that, that image of him. And so she didn't really shit talk him or tell me all the bad stuff. And then as I got older, she would just occasionally let something slip out, but right. never really explain herself. Like <laughs> one of the, the famous ones I remember is when we were driving home from <clears throat> my aunt's house on Thanksgiving, we're passing through the small town and, uh, and she just points out the window and she goes, well, that was the prison your father was in. And I was like, huh? What now? Yeah. <laughs> like it was an old college he went to. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's the prison your dad was in. I was like, what was he in prison for? And she's like, oh, never mind. Did you ever find out? Yeah. What was he in prison for? <laughs> you really want to know? Yeah. <sighs> Selling drugs by a school. By, specifically by a school. Yeah. Not two children. Right. But just like in that neighborhood. Mm. That that'll get you five to ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing is like, as you get older, you start to obviously have more empathy for others. Yeah, because you see how hard life really is, especially yeah. when you're out on your own for the first time. Yeah, you I, gain you gain life experience. You get. You start to look at, oh, this is like when you look back when you were a kid and you would look at adults and like you always thought they didn't know what they're doing. But you're like, they're grown up. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, no, they didn't know what they were doing. 
Yeah, this is why know. Dad yelled at me about having the hall lights on and stuff yeah. like that. You're like, oh, the electric bill is fucking yeah. $300. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, and the more of those experiences that you have, the more empathy you have for your parents and all these things. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I'm at is it's a two-parter stepping away from these snapshots and trying to not judge him just from these glimpses that I have of him. Mm-hmm. And then also having empathy for my father's story and him. Cause nobody just, nobody's born and goes, you know what? I'm going to be a fuck up. I'm just going to fuck my life up. And, uh, I don't really care about others and I'm just going to do a bunch of pills and I'm like nobody's waking up like that. That's, yeah. that's a process. Something's happened. Yeah. And the older you get, you go, Oh, you start to trace it back and you go, what happened? Why, why, why was he like this? Mm. And that's more the side that I'm on now is having empathy for my father's story, his journey, his failures, his achievements, looking at him as a whole instead of again, like, these little glimpses mm-hmm. and that's tough changing the narrative of your father or anybody in your life that you've written off as a bis- or that people have written off as like, Oh, that guy's bad news or this person's all this. And you're like, okay. And then as you start to peel back the layers, you go, wait a minute, <laughs> is this person really a, as bad as people say they are? So are you trying to figure out the truth or are you trying to change the narrative so you can think of your father in a better light? I think they go hand in hand. I think as I discover more about him, I start to see he's not as bad as what I was told or had thought of him. How are you discovering things about him? Because everybody's dead. Yeah. How are you learning these things? A lot of it is through therapy and through talking about my childhood and things like that and putting pieces together. Um, Using your current lens. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, you know, being young and being without therapy and, and all that stuff, you don't really look at things the same way. Yeah. You don't know how. It's not, it's nothing against you. You just don't know how to do it. Yeah. Um. So, like, for instance, like, my father was hooked on pills for a while. Mm. Um, And then when I start to trace back his story, well, how did he get on pills? Oh, he was in a a car accident. He was driving truck. You know, he's driving semi-truck for a while. Somebody T-boned him. And uh, the doctor said he would never walk again. And so they started giving him pain pills. Well, it turns out this doctor had went to jail years later because he was over-medicating his patients and operating as a drug dealer to people in my community. Um, and he was starting to sell these pain pills to people outside of his office. Mm. And he was the first person to put my father on medication like that, which got my father hooked on these pain pills, which he couldn't get off of, which started his addiction with that, which eventually would kill him. Um, so the idea, the narrative of like, oh, your dad's on fucking pills or your dad can't get his shit together. Yeah. He was addicted because he was in a car accident and a doctor had overprescribed him pills. Mm. 
so is my dad a fuck up <laughs> or did he get lost along the way and kind of scooped up in this fucked up situation and that's when i'm peeling back the layers on and going okay maybe your dad wasn't this fucking junkie quote yeah. unquote or whatever you want to say like that's not that's not my father's story you don't you're going to have an answer to this because it's a complete hypothetical <laughs> yeah. but this is where my brain's at do you think it's easier to do this reframing and redefining your father's story because he's dead I'm so glad you asked me this because my thought is if he was still alive mm -hmm. and never got clean and he was still doing all of those things, do you still think you'd be able to have the empathy you have mm. if he still was the guy you inaccurately thought he was as a grown man? Do you think you would able be able to give him that empathy and forgiveness? Yes. Mm. I think it would be actually be easier because I would actually be able to get it directly from the source. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you asked me that because I was thinking about how this relates to your father. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what, what I asked <laughs> the situation at hand with you. And I look at your situation as you're very you're you're very lucky because there's still time you still have time left. Whether you want to hear that or not, or whether you want to accept that or, not, or whether it happens or not. Yeah. These are all whatever. But you have the gift of time. I don't have that. Yeah. And uh I wish I did. I really do. I'm going to say something fucked up. Mm-hmm. I kind of envy your situation because you don't... You, then, you don't have the possibility of doing all the work and all the reframing and then being let down by him still. Mm. Mm. But at least I could try. Yeah. And that's. Try what? Patch it up and have them in your life? Try to repair it. Try to understand it. Try to help if I can. Try to just try. Yeah. Whether it works or not, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, that doesn't matter. I kind of feel like I have tried. Sure. And what I'm, but what I'm saying is like, no matter where you are right now with it, mm -hmm. you have time left. Yeah. You can still turn it around. This is second quarter. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's still time. Left. You got, well, it, it's also, it's also different. Like my dad's not an addict. Right. He's, he's just a narcissist and not an admirable human being. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I, uh, and this, this could be wrong. I, I kind of operate on, it's not up to me. Right. I'm working on myself and I have said things to him 
in the vein of do you have any interest in improving in some areas? And there's, there's no reception to that. No, like, I'm the problem or my stepmom's the problem. Everybody else is the problem. Um, I don't think it's up to me. Right. Well, that, and that's, that goes into that, that idea of like, you can't help somebody who doesn't want to help themselves. Right. Right. And or somebody who doesn't even think there's a problem there. Right. And, uh, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not sad about it. Is that weird? I, I strangely feel that I've accepted that, um, my dad is who he is. He's too proud or stubborn or whatever to accept that he needs to improve. And the relationship that I have with him, which is, you know, we'll exchange a text every three or four months. Yeah. Like that's what it's going to be. And I feel strangely okay with it. Hmm. Cause I feel like otherwise I'm just chasing something that is probably not going to be caught. Yeah. Hmm. So even when you look at it, through different lenses of empathy or forgiveness or any of these things Mm -hmm. still at a standstill, huh? I, I, I I do understand that he has done the best he can Mm -hmm. or the best he's willing to do. I don't know which it is. I don't know if there's a difference. Um, but I think I think the, I think it would be a bigger problem if I was not okay with what our relationship is now. If I really had a strong desire for there to be more and he wasn't able or wasn't willing, then I think there would be more contention within me. Um, but yeah, this is what he can give or is willing to give. And yeah, I'm okay with that because I don't, I don't think I need more from him. He's not going to change. Right. And, you know, when we do get to, I mean, I haven't seen him in since before the pandemic, I haven't spoken to him since before the pandemic. Like he, he doesn't, he will never pick up a phone and call. Right. He'll send a text. Hey, thinking about you. Hope you're good. You know, I haven't, my sister had a kid. My niece is three and a half years old. He went out to Arizona when she was born since then has not called once has not FaceTimed once he'll send a text. Hope you're doing well. He'll send a he'll yeah. transfer. He'll Zell transfer a hundred dollars. Give this to, you know, for her birthday. That's it. That's what he's willing to do. He thinks he's a, he thinks he's the world's best grandfather doing that. Yeah. Um, what, what can I do? All I can do is accept that that's who he is and I'm okay with it. I wish he was a better grandfather to my niece. I wish he was a better father to my sister and I, but he's not. Yeah. Um, I do understand though that after, after he dies, it might be a weird, <laughs> it might mm-hmm. be a weird thing. I, I really, yeah, I, I do think about that. Am, am I going to, 
wish I had done more or tried something different. But again, it's the effort has to be from both people. Absolutely. Yeah. And I just don't think he has it in him or has interest in it. I don't think he thinks there's a problem. Do you think that door is shut forever? On my end? Yeah. No. I would be receptive to him being like, hey, I've done a lot of reflecting and uh, I could have been better and I can't undo it, but can we try harder going forward? Like, I'd be open to that. He would never do that. That's great news because your father is here with us today. Come on in. <laughs> oh, dude, is there a casino out back? What's he doing here? <laughs> No, that's great. I was I was curious about that if you had uh, written it off forever, if there was ever an option for no. Why, why do that? Yeah, you know. Are you are you like that in general with people that? Um, I delete the text thread. I know. I know. You I do. delete the contact. <laughs> do you delete the person out of your life? That's the question. Um, certain people I do. Yeah. When because there are certain people in your life and certain relationships where you do have to put it behind you yeah, and you do have to move on. Um, I think it's, I think it is debatable. I think a lot of people think that a lot of people have the fast and furious mentality that family is everything yeah. and there's nothing more important in life than family. And there are a lot of people that say, Hey, family is what it is. Like if they're not serving you and like get them out of your life, mm -hmm. like there, there are people in both camps that are very firm about their beliefs. Um, I don't know where I stand on that. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Yeah. What was the question? <laughs> Is the door open? Is that what you asked me? Yeah, I didn't know if you shut people out for Oh, good. do I shut people out? Some people, yeah. Yeah. Some people you have to move on from. But family, I don't know what camp I'm in on whether or not you cut family out of your life or if you always yeah. keep that door. What? What is? Where are you at? Are you a... Oh, well, I'm a people pleaser, so everybody's invited all the time, always, yeah. <laughs> even if they treat me bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, they're just having a bad day. Right. I'm sure they love me. Yeah. Um, I have only really blocked a handful of people in my life. Um, and they were, uh, some were family, but it was like distant relatives of like, I don't know how we're related kind of thing, where somebody's like, I'm your grandma's cousin's ex wife's, you know, whatever. And you're like, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I've never seen you at the cookout, but right. good to see you. Yeah. Uh, I had, I had also, to... let's not say cookout because you're white as fuck, right? So there was no cookout. There was no cookout. And there was no cookout, right? Am there I was... invited to the cookout? I sure am. Now, at the cookout. I at sure the... am. Now, because when you have a cookout, all there is is sunscreen. There's no good food. <laughs> There's no good food at the cookout. It's just sunscreen. We have uh, potato salad. Mmm. <sighs> <laughs> I had to cut, this is, I had to cut somebody uh, out of my life mm -hmm. because they were like Facebook trolling me all the time. Yeah. Somebody you knew. Somebody, yes, yeah, so a relative, one of these distant, you know, where you're like, sure. Um, 
but they were always saying like some really outrageous shit. Yeah. And uh, the final debate or remark that we got into was that uh, gay men couldn't have children because who's going to be the father? Both of them. Yeah, I'm like, you got two daddies. <laughs> Hello. <Yeah. laughs> but like, the, she really couldn't wrap her mind around that like, gay men couldn't be a, a father figure. Mm. And I tried to hash that out and she wasn't hearing it and was very strict on the idea that like gay men aren't men aren't real men as i sit here with pink fingernails yeah (laughs) what a dumb bitch and i was like oh block forever you've said enough ignorant shit that like who was that some kind of distant distant relative relative thing and i was like you know what you're out that ain't worth it you're out yeah i don't need to keep having these conversations like i've tried uh, that, that was again like after many of times of trying to like actually hold valid conversations with her about how to think differently or whatever and she's just not hearing it so i was like yeah. oh and you're gone yeah yeah hmm. over the gaze <laughs> yeah that was the final one there was a bunch of other shit there i was just like you know what yeah this is it yeah, yeah eventually you, you are who you gives are. a fuck yeah eventually it's just like dude yeah. Why do I care enough to keep trying to change you? Change your exactly. mind. Yeah, that was it. It just keeps showing up. I'm like, oh, you again? Yeah. Oh, you again? Oh, yeah. well, why do I keep letting you in here? Yeah. You're out. You did the right thing. I feel like I did. I think you did. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Speaking of daddies, back to my daddy. <laughs> Speaking of daddies, we're back. <laughs> we're back. We're back. Daddy got pink nails. <laughs> And we're back. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, yeah. Can I, I acknowledge that my nails are painted because my niece painted them? Sure. If that this, makes you feel better, sure. This is not a thing other than my niece wanted to paint my nails. She painted them, I think, five times while I was home. Oh, that's great. But, yeah. I can't. I'm not going to take it off. My niece did it for me. <laughs> You're like, I die in these nails. I'll die now. in these nails. Yeah. <laughs> my girl. That's great. Yeah. Um, it is jarring every time I look at my hands though. Like, oh. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so where we left off before the holiday break was this idea of my therapist telling me that there's a lot of similarities between mm-hmm. my father and me, which mm-hmm. threw me for a fucking loop, dude. Yeah. The hairline. <laughs> it's about the hairline. <laughs> Oh, Julio. Oh, Julio. (laughs) (laughs) I was in Texas a few weeks ago, and a buddy I grew up with, we were hanging out, and we were talking late at night, and we just had like some random lighting on in the kitchen, and and, uh, we were in a pretty deep conversation. And he goes, I can't even fucking look at you, dude. He's like, you look just like your father right now. And I was like... Did he know your dad when he was alive? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I go, Julio? And he goes... What? I go, that was my father's nickname. And he goes, your dad's name is Julio? <laughs> go, yeah. And he goes, that's who you are from now on. You are Julio. <laughs> yeah. You're your little Julio, man. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, every once in a while. And a lot of times, for the longest time, I fought that idea. Again, because of this narrative that I had of my father. When I would see his reflection in the mirror on myself, I it would, I'm like, that's not who you are. Mm. That's not who you are. And um, 
turns out I was wrong. That is who I am. It's part of who you are. Yeah. My father was looking for a way out of that lifestyle that that I come from a town where there's three factories. You pick <clears throat> one and you work at it till you die. Yeah. Typical Midwest town. Yeah. Yeah. Um my father did not want to be in a factory. Yeah. And he tried several attempts to get out of it. He just wanted to escape. Or escape. What did I say? Escape. What did you say? Escape. I said it without an X. Because there isn't one. Same thing, right? Take it to your cameras over here. There you go. Camera two? Same thing? <laughs> escape? Escape? Different words. Now, did I need to point it out? No. Absolutely not. Did I? Yes. Do, I, you, feel, do I feel bad about it? Yes. Are you going to point it out every time? Of course you are. No, because it happens every episode. And <laughs> I haven't said it in weeks. <laughs> but I shouldn't have said it because we're in the middle of a serious conversation. But I did, and I can't take it back, and I have regret. Pick and your I, spots. Pick your battles. <laughs> <laughs> Who escaped? <laughs> Who escaped? Tell me more about the escape. My father escaped. Yeah. Don't ask me again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but um, I was playing this. Um, I know I've told you this story, but I don't think I've told it on here. Mm -hmm. But I was touring last year and we we're doing it's a big theater tour. Um and uh, we come to this small town, little factory town in Minnesota. And we're playing the theater, the only theater in town. And um, we're in this nice hotel, and they're taking care of us, and it feels good. And I'm looking out, and it's snowing in this small town, and I can see the factory, and you can see the people kind of walking around, and this and that. And I had this full circle moment of this overwhelming empathy for my father at that moment, this guy mm -hmm. who really just wanted to get out of that factory lifestyle, who wanted to make it out of that small town, who was trying a lot of different avenues to do it. And he just couldn't figure it out. He died there. Yeah. And here I am doing comedy that has taken me literally all over the world. And full circle being in a small factory town and I'm playing the theater instead of working in that factory. Yeah. And boy, oh boy, did I just like cry and cry and cry in that hotel Be yeah. before the show, before you have to go be funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm just sitting in this hotel room alone, in this nice hotel room alone, crying yeah. about like, I did it. Yeah. I did it. I... You did what dad couldn't do. I did what dad couldn't do. And, uh... Did you feel pride or guilt? Both. Yeah. Wishing that I had him around, wishing that I could show him... Fucking rubbing his face. <laughs> show him a better life. Show him yeah. that he didn't have to be... That that wasn't the only option. Showing him that it's possible. That's yeah. it. Showing them that it's possible. And that's what it comes back around to. My father was just trying 
to be better. And he couldn't figure it out. And he got lost in the shit. Yeah. Man, I wish I had him around now. I wish I would have known what I know now. I wish I could have pulled him out of there. And that'll never happen. And I can't change his story, but I can just know it more, look at it through a different lens, and have more empathy for him. Are you able to see that even if he was still here and all these things, Mm. that he might not want you to change his story for him? Mm. That maybe this is just another idealized mm. thing in your head. I well, don't like that. Uh, <laughs> but that's real. Yeah, of course it's real, but I don't like it. I know. The uh, idea of saving him is one thing. Yeah. But like we talked about, if he doesn't want to be saved. Well, why wouldn't he want to be saved? Because some people don't see a problem. Some people. Are you projecting right now? <laughs> Let me put the screen up because you're a projector. What am I projecting? <laughs> your father doesn't want to be saved. Exactly. Your father, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 He yeah. doesn't think it's wrong because he's a narcissist. Right. Maybe your dad, I save you, you don't save me. Mm. Because as you're learning, maybe he really was a great father and he, he got lost. Yeah. So this whole thing in your head might just be another idealized dream. Of who I wanted my father to be. Or what you could do for him. Or what he would be open to you doing for him. Any of that. Mm. Because everything you just said, you're the hero. Yeah. So what we are working on now is this idea of how was I processing these emotions when my father died? Cause he died when I was 12. Yeah. I was the one that discovered him. And so my therapist is really interested on my healing process through that. And I don't really have one. You don't have a healing process? No, I, we've talked about this a little bit in past episodes, but this, I was raised by my mother and my grandmother who were very strong, very stubborn women. And you just didn't show emotion. Yeah. You, we moved on very quickly. They had a lot of tragedy in their lives, a lot of tragedy. Yeah. And to get caught up in it, they felt like they would just get lost in that tragedy. So instead of actually processing those emotions or dealing with those things, I was brought up to not show emotions, don't cry, like don't do any of these things. Like we shut up, we move on, and that's how you get through it. Um, and also in that mindset of like, what's it gonna, what's it gonna do for you to be sad? Yeah. And um, and then on top of that, the narrative that you and I have already talked about before on the show is like the pressure that women already have on having to be strong and having to have that strength. So you have that piled on, on top of all of that with two women 
Yeah, and then you add rating, raising children alone, raising men alone. Yeah. 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 It's unfair. Yeah, so there's no, no fucking duh, I don't know how to process emotions. Nobody's ever allowed me to do that. Or and taught I, and, you. Yeah. Yeah. And not to say that my, you know, my mother was incredible. She was very loving and all of these things. I don't say she wasn't cold at all. There was never a coldness to it. It was always, um, I don't want to say a joyful thing, but it was, we always found funny moments in those tragedies and that's how we coped with things. Um, so yeah, unpacking that was really interesting about, she kept asking me how I was dealing with my father's death. And I was like, I don't really, I don't know. <laughs> my mom asked me if I wanted to see a guidance counselor and I didn't. That's it? Yeah. And then I got into the big brother, big sister program and had a big brother for a little while and he was great. But like, there was no actual like therapy happening or processing anything. Never talked about it. Never really talked about it. Um, and again, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that distance that I had from my father. So I was like, oh, your father's dead. And it's like, yeah, but who is that guy? Yeah. So he's not going to be home every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it didn't strike me then as such a a powerful blow because my father was so in and out of my life. Did your mom ever talk about it? No. No. Mm. Mm-mm. So he never, never existed after that. Yeah. Never shared memories, nothing. No. That's interesting. You just brought that up. No. No. And if I did, it was in those passing moments. Yeah. That's where your father, da, da, da. Your father tried that one time or, you know, things like that. Never dad's birthday. Let's get a cake. No, 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 none of that. Mm. Mm-mm. Interesting. Yeah. And you don't do anything for your dad's birthday now. Mm-mm. It's interesting you're, <laughs> you're bringing all that up. <laughs> no. This is the show. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts? I have never thought about that aspect of it, that he just kind of disappeared after that. Yeah. He wasn't allowed to live on until you got curious. Hmm. <laughs> How you feeling? <laughs> Fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've really never thought about that. Really? Yeah, I just, you know, I know I know it made my mother uncomfortable or that he wasn't the greatest guy to my mother or in my mother's eyes, and so of course I'm not going to talk about him to her because I don't want to hurt her. Yeah. And she's not going to bring it up to me because she doesn't want to upset me. Yeah. These are, yeah. It's also, this is related. I don't want to take away from what you're talking about. Yeah. But it's also a very complicated reality that people can be different things because Mm. my grandfather, my dad's dad, was a fantastic grandfather, terrible husband. Mm. And it's possible that your dad was a decent father and a terrible husband. 
Yeah. And that's complicated, especially you lost a father and your mom lost a guy that wasn't very nice to her sometimes. And those journeys of grief then have to exist together in the same house, in the same life. And that's a hard thing. That's a really hard thing. And the more we talk about your mom, she wouldn't know how to handle that. I wouldn't. You wouldn't. No, yeah. (laughs) That's fucking impossible. Yeah. My therapist asked me too. She said, do you think your mother would have ever divorced your father if he would have lived longer mm. I was like absolutely not really yeah no, no shot no shot hmm. mom was in it mom was loyal mom was just like hoping he'd come around yeah that's you that know? generation too yeah 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 my mother also really struggled with self-image self-love all of those things so I think for her another thing that she battled was like if he leaves, who's going to love me? Right. He's the only one that will ever love me. Mm. And I think my mother struggled with that a lot. And, um, just the way she would talk about herself and yeah. And that was what made me so happy to see Wayne come into the picture after my father died. Yeah. Wayne made my mother feel so good about herself. He was, you know, always complimenting her and taking her out. Like, I got to see my mother, like, date. Yeah. Which I know can sound weird or whatever, but it was such a special thing that I didn't know was happening until I look back on it. And I'm like, man, I really got to see, I got a front row seat on watching my mother fall in love again. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And just seeing how happy she was after years of being so unhappy or so forgotten, you know, all those things that go into that type of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do anything for Wayne's birthday now? I don't. I think about Wayne a lot. I know you do. So you got to watch your mom date. Yeah. What did that feel like? Were you able to like process I was, what that was in the time? Yeah, because we were allowed to process joy in those things. It was the tragedy that we weren't allowed to, right? Like mm-hmm. we weren't allowed to be sad. We, we weren't allowed to cry. Oh, my God. If you cried, get the fuck out of here, dude. Yeah. Like, it, was, it was shut up and move on. Yeah. And uh, my therapist brought that up uh, because, you know, she's a therapist. (laughs) That's a good thing to talk about is, wait a minute, you weren't allowed to process emotions? Red flag. I like how you laughed through that whole thing. mm -hmm. Because she's a therapist and that's what she... (laughs) Red flag. It hurts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But she... um, she said something to me that I did not know was a, this was what it was. Uh, she brought up generational trauma. Okay. And I had heard that phrase before, obviously, but yeah. I thought it was like a, a big idea, like generational trauma. Like that's, that seems so big, but 
really what it is, is these little things that your family is passing down to you generation to generation. Like my grandmother being so cold and so strict meant that my mother wasn't allowed to be, you know, show these emotions and do these things. So she was a little more open, but still cold and strict because she was afraid of how grandma would look at her. And so now I don't want to upset my mother because, and she doesn't want to upset me. And so now I have to have a little bit of that, that restraint when it comes to emotions and stuff like that, because it keeps, it's traced back. I didn't know that those like little things were generational trauma. Mm. I had no fucking idea. I always looked at it as like big, this big idea of like gen, like had been handed down for years and years. This is why we don't do this. And you're like, okay. Huh. Did you know that? No. <laughs> I you were no, looking at me like, yeah, no shit. No, I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around like it's like the snowballing effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. Super tight. <laughs> so, it's easy to pinpoint the big things. Right. You can spot those. Mm-hmm. Now, now we got a fucking needle in the haystack, this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. Cool. When is enough enough, though? You know? Trauma or... (laughs) Just things to fix. Oh, God. When is enough enough? (sighs) Dude, this... (sighs) That is the good and bad of working on yourself, right? It's like doing home repair. First off, don't ask me a question to end it with right. (laughs) Because why don't you just... I'll fucking tell you if right or wrong. You bitch. Go ahead. I look at it like a home repair when you're like, right? You're like, we should paint the, the kitchen. Yeah. You're like, well, then we got to do the floors. Well, if we do the kitchen floors, we got to get a new carpet in the living room. Yeah. Well, if we do that, then we get, it's just like, just buy a new house, man. Wouldn't it be easier just to buy a new house? Wouldn't it be easier to just burn this motherfucker right down? <laughs> right. Collect the insurance. Start over. <laughs>